Hey, what is up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by the incredible sponsors of the program, ChemicalFreeBody.com. If health and wellness is a priority for you, then check out the incredible products over at ChemicalFreeBody. Plant-based nutritional supplements from Super Greens, my favorite, with all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, and micronutrients in just one single scoop. Toss it in your glass of water, your shake, your smoothie, however you want to do it. They also have other incredible products, gut detoxers, anti-inflammatories, immune boosters, and so much more. ChemicalFreeBody.com and check out that promo code, it's me, all one word, it's me for discounts at your checkout. And look, we have so many different insurance policies in our life. And if the last couple years has taught you anything, it taught me that storable food needs to be on that list. Prepare with itsme.com, the incredible products over at My Patriot Supply. They have four-week supply of food, three-month supply, all products with up to a 25-year shelf life. Have the peace of mind, ladies and gentlemen, of having storable food and have that supply on deck. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And uh, if you have, you know, shaving needs like nice chrome domes like me, SkullShaver.com is a whole new concept in face and head shaving. The products offered over there include men's head shavers, face shavers, hair clippers, and trimmers. And ladies, we haven't forgot about you with the butterfly kiss. And we also have a large selection of accessories to make your life that much more simple. All of the shavers come with uh, removable, washable blades made of premium Japanese stainless steel to ensure flawless results. It just makes it so much easier. You can get your shaving done anytime, anywhere, in or out of the shower. It gets no better. Skullshaver.com, front slash discount, front slash it's me. All of the links to these incredible products will be in the description of this episode. So without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of It's Me Speaking to You. I am, as always, your ever-faithful host, Mr. Jeffrey Wilson, coming to you live and direct from the gateway to the West, St. Louis, Missouri. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a jam-packed, informative episode. This man, quite literally, is, and I don't say this facetiously, he is a hero of mine. I've been following his work for about 25 years. He was featured in a program called Reasonable Doubt which was produced in 1988 on the Kennedy assassination, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Cyril Wecht is joining us today. This gentleman is the president of the American Academy of Forensic Science, the head of the American College of Legal Medicine. He served on the U.S. House of Representatives House Select Committee on Assassinations, and he was recently portrayed by Albert Brooks in the film Concussion. Dr. Wecht, thank you so very much. I know you're busy, sir. Thank you for your time. Uh, my pleasure being with you, and thank you for contacting me. Absolutely. Now, we don't have much time, so getting into this JFK conversation and the assassination of the president could take hours, But and because there, there's so many different layers of it. But specifically, I want to speak to something that you are an expert on, obviously, having dealt with the, the forensics, the, the tissue, the, the, the clothes, the, the bullets, specifically the single bullet theory, sir, is what the government seems to hold on to as their... Uh, as their main evidence of um, of Lee Harvey Oswald in his three shots with his Italian rifle. What problem, sir, do you have with the single bullet theory? Okay, um, let's, for your uh, listeners, uh, set the background for this. <clears throat> the Warren Commission meeting then into uh, 64 um, soon um, found themselves confronted by an incredible, seemingly impossible, physical incongruity. 
um, the timing for this Zapruder film in which uh, you study um, frame by frame, 18.3 frames uh, moving through that camera per second, which I had the opportunity to do in 1966 at Life Magazine headquarters with Professor Josiah T. Thompson, um, showed clearly and unquestionably that Connolly was struck 1.5 seconds after Kennedy was hit the first time. That's before Kennedy's headshots. Then they got the Manneker Carcano, this uh, non-automatic uh, carbine, the most inferior weapon of its genre uh, anywhere in the world, according to all long gun experts. And they got the best experts they could find. Our Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> was not an expert. Uh, um, so they got the best experts, and they had them shoot at targets, not moving targets, not counting accuracy, but just determining how long does it take to shoot, unload, reload, and shoot again, 2.3 seconds. Well, there you were. Mm. Meantime, Oswald's dead. Jagger Hoover has told the world that the case is all over. So how do you deal with that? Arlen Specter, um, later to become senior U.S. senator from Pennsylvania, mm. at that time junior legal counsel for the commission, he came up with the idea of a single bullet theory. What if one bullet went through Kennedy and then into Connolly and uh, produced all those wounds? So um, that is the single bullet theory, one bullet producing seven wounds into Kennedy's back, out through his throat, into Connolly's back, out from the front of his chest, into the back of his wrist, out the front of his wrist, and then into his left thigh. And by the way, the stretcher below the Commission Exhibit 399, the bullet that was found on beneath the stretcher by the emergency room, by the maintenance man trying to get to the men's room that afternoon at Parkland Hospital in Dallas, uh, that is the hero, that bullet for a little bit more of the historical significance. Um, is the bullet that they said the pathologists who were totally incompetent and inexperienced on the night of the autopsy, they said that bullet was from Kennedy's back, that when the president lay on the table and the doctors applied cardiac massage to the front of his chest, they forced the bullet back out through the same hole in his back because when they did the autopsy that night, they completely missed a bullet hole in the front of his neck. It wasn't until the next day when they talked with the doctors and learned that a tracheostomy had been done, superimposed on a pre-existing bullet hole. Then the next day, Saturday, November 23rd, uh, that stretcher bullet, 399, was the bullet from the front of Kennedy's neck. Five and a half months later, under the single bullet theory, the stretcher bullet was now from Conley's left thigh. So back to, Ben, uh, your questions. The reasons uh, that the single bullet theory is absurd uh, first, well, let's make one of a significant, um, admittedly uh, subjective nature, but um, very significant, and that is that Governor Conley and his wife insisted from the very beginning and never changed their opinions over the years when interviewed, that first interview taking place while he was still a patient in the hospital, that the president was shot. They heard the shot. The governor turned, and then as he was turning back, he was struck. But let's move on to science. Now, the um, weight of the bullet, the condition of the bullet, and the trajectory of the, the bullet. Condition, those the three condition things. is something that's really yeah. huge. Yeah. Okay. Now, the bullet in its store-bought condition weighs 161 grains, copper-jacketed, lead-core, military-type ammunition, about an inch and a quarter in length, a quarter of an inch in diameter, 6.5 millimeter. That bullet, uh, as it was found then, weighed 158.6 grains, a loss of 2.4 grains, which is exactly 1.5%. And yet we know, documented, and I spoke myself with the chief nurse, Audrey Bell, who was given fragments by the attending surgeons on Governor Conley to turn over to the FBI, and there are fragments that Conley took to his grave, in his wrist, in his thigh, 
that we're told that all these fragments together um, weighed only 1.5% of the total weight of the bullet. That's ridiculous, impossible. Number two is its condition. Uh, the bullet not only produced seven wounds going through these two gentlemen, but broke and destroyed four inches of Governor Connolly's right fifth rib, produced a comminuted, which means a fragmented fracture of the distal end of the radius. The people who are not doctors uh, don't know the radius, one of the two bones from the elbow to the wrist, broadens as it comes into the wrist and aligning with the eight small bones of the wrist. It doesn't it gets smaller, it gets bigger. Well, John Conley was else, a, in the wrist. You you had mentioned in, in the in the dissecting all of that and, and separating the two shots. Connolly was holding his his hat, which was done. Well, I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to I'm going to get okay, I'm going to get sorry. to that next. That's the trajectory. Uh, let's stick with the with the uh, condition of the bullet for a moment. Okay. Um, so this bullet breaking two bones in a large boned gentleman like John Conley, we're told. Um, um, was completely intact. When you see the pictures, and these aren't Wex pictures, these are the government's pictures, the bullet is near pristine. The only deformation is at the base of the bullet, and that's from the impact of the firing mechanism. The copper jacket is completely intact, and yet you're, we're told that it um, broke um, significantly, destroying, as I've said, uh, four to five inches of one of Governor Connolly's ribs. So and that's this has the never been reason. replicated, right? Of the government, like no, you know, yeah, nobody's hey, ever been able uh, to replicate this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that and to wrap it I'm up sorry. on the replication attempts here. Now it's okay, but let me just finish. The third reason is the trajectory, and I've done this a thousand times. Every time I speak to a group, uh, whoever they may be, I get two people from the audience. I put them in chairs. Um, you're the president, and you're the governor, and. Uh, 30 inches, two and a half feet separates the president's chest from the governor's back. And then you show as they're sitting, the governor directly in front of the president. The bullet comes into Kennedy's back, exits uh, from the front of his neck. To begin with, by the way, uh, the bullet has an upward trajectory of 11 degrees. And this is confirmed unanimously by the forensic pathology panel, of which I was a member, the radiology panel um, of the House Select Committee. That bullet moving upwards, having been fired from the sixth floor window, hitting the president in the back, somehow moves upward. Okay, so it's coming out of his neck. And then I show with two people sitting there, the bullet is moving forward. It's moving to the left and it's moving downward. It has to, having been fired from the school book depository six-floor window. And yet the bullet in midair turns about 18 inches to the right, goes over, and hits Conley behind the right armpit. doesn't strike Conley grazingly across the left shoulder or the left side of his back. It hits him behind the right armpit. It then proceeds through his chest and um, pierces the lung, destroys the right fifth rib, as I've said, exits from below the level of the nipple. And now we get to the point that you were just asking about. When you look at this Zapruder film, and again, it's not a matter of my interpretation. There's nothing subjective about it. It is clear, and you're studying this at 1 18th second intervals. So it's not a matter of what might have changed in a, in a moment's um, notice of a second or two. You see John Conley holding the big white Texas Stetson hat uh, at shoulder level, well above the nipple. So that bullet emerges from below nipple level on the governor's chest, has to go upward and hook around to hit him in the back of the wrist, destroying the bone, 
exits from the front of the wrist and then proceeds downward into the left thigh. The angle of declination through the governor's chest is about 27 degrees. The angle of declination from wrist to thigh is 45 degrees. So it changes course vertically, horizontally, and so on. Now, that is an absolute, absolute impossibility. Mm -hmm. And so there you are, um, weight, condition, and trajectory. There is no way in the world. Now, you also ask about attempts to replicate. Sure, the government realized they had a problem, and somebody um, on the Warren Commission said, hey, uh, can a bullet do this? Uh, let's, uh, let's try and see. And so they went and they shot. They had uh, three targets lined up, cotton wadding. They shoot bullets into cotton wadding so that there will be no deformation. You want to see what the bullet looks like having come out of the gun. Number two, they shot through goat carcasses that were lined up uh, so the bullet would break one rib of a goat to simulate Conley's rib fracture. And then they got human cadavers, and they shot through the wrist into the radius to simulate Conley's wrist fracture. And this is my favorite slide. I always say when I talk about this, if God came to me and said, you have to give up every single thing you own, and I mean everything, everything, I'm going to allow you to keep one thing. And I don't mean one thing in, in a category or in a volume. I literally mean one thing, one piece of paper, one slide, whatever it is. Uh, this is the one that I hold on to, and it is not mine. It is from the government. They have the lineup. They selected uh, the bullets. Uh, that they wanted to from the multiple shots fired into those three different objectives, cotton wadding, gun car uh, carcasses, and human cadaver wrist. And there you see it. Uh, there you see it. And I have so much fun when I do this. <laughs> I show here's a, here's a bullet that they selected that has a damage from the goat carcass, presumably, obviously, with the least amount of damage. Here's a bullet they selected that went through human cadaver wrist, obviously, with the least amount of damage. And then I come back to the other end of the slide, and I said, here is Commission Exhibit 399 in all of its pristine grandeur. Wow. So I say, ladies, I say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm the prosecutor summing up the case. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you've heard the defendant's counsel uh, make fun of the what he calls the single bullet theory, uh, the magic bullet theory, and so on. Uh, in a sarcastic way, I yeah. want to remind you and refresh you. It's been a long six-week trial, and then they put up this slide. Do you have any question, ladies and gentlemen, if a bullet that breaks a goat rib can look like this and a bullet that breaks a human radius can look like this? Do you have any question or doubt whatsoever that a bullet that breaks both a rib and a radius can look like this? Exactly. And I, I, so there is a single bullet theory. So before you get into everything else in the exactly. world, and it's not this, I, I'm, 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 I'm uninterested or that I don't think that's relevant. I, 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 you know, I find the whole thing fascinating. Lee Harvey Oswald, who was he? Two and a half years in Russia, marrying Marina Oswald. Um, uh, the, the whole thing, visits to Cuba, Mexico. I mean, every, oh, everything in the yeah. world. But, but, but before you get to any of that, yeah. before you even open any of those doors, you, 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 you've got the single bullet theory, which is the sine qua non of the Warren Commission yes, report. Yeah. If you don't have the single bullet theory, then stop. The game is over. You got two shooters. Right. 
right? And, and that is what the government through. cannot handle. And that's why I want to kind of start with that as far as the JFK thing, because that really, really yeah. is the crux of it. You know, I, I, before before I asked you that, I did want to say, you know, you know, to really get before you start pulling back all of these layers, you do have to go back and understand the the political and geopolitical context in which uh, JFK was was elected, um, and also the farewell address by uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower speaking of the rise of the military industrial complex. The firing of Richard Bissell, the firing of Charles Cavill, which is no accident because Earl Cavill was the mayor of Dallas at the time. None of these things are accidents. And it is, of course, circumstantial. But what you're talking about is not. You're talking about the in the history of ballistics, do these things can these things have ever happened? And it's almost kind of like the 9/11. Never in the history of buildings do you know buildings fall from from fire, but that day uh, three did. Um, one thing I do, um, I didn't know, sir. I was watching one of your videos the other day. I did not know Kennedy was hit twice in the head. I thought it was one shot that blew his head up. You say you you assert that there's two shots that hit. Well, the well the official well the official version is of course that he was struck one time. My version and that of the top critic researchers, physician specialists, uh, David Mantic, a radiologist, uh, Dr. Gary Aguilar, and many others who have studied this, um, clearly show, in my opinion, that he was struck in synchronized fashion twice in the head. One shot from the rear and one shot from the right front side behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll. But the official version has him being hit in the head one time. But the head wounds are another matter. We haven't talked about that. The head wounds and the reconstruction, in my opinion, clearly show. And in that regard, let me make a point that is amazingly ignored, was ignored by the Warren Commission, and that is that every physician who attended the president there at Parkland Hospital that day talked about the wound in the back of the head, every single one of them. And a neurosurgeon of great note of prominence was there, um, and he talked about the cerebellum, which is at the inferior posterior portion of the brain, separate from the cerebral hemispheres, um, that the cerebellum had been damaged. And yet that night at the autopsy, they have the pathologist, they have the back of the head intact, and they have no damage whatsoever to the cerebellum. Now, who do you believe? Um, yeah. Top surgeons and emergency room people, and one of them continued to talk out about this, and we had him live on our program here in Pittsburgh when we had the 40th anniversary, um, 50th anniversary program, uh, Dr. McClellan. He says unequivocally, yeah, unequivocally, that the back of the head was shattered and the cerebellum was damaged. So who do you believe? Um, it's, it's something that you're, I mean, what you're speaking of was written very uh, articulately and, and very comprehensively in a book by Dr. David Lipton, um, where he pretty much talks about what you're talking about, the, the reconstruction, the, the, the shady autopsy, the switching possibly of the bodies in Air Force One. Uh, one, one thing that was quoted in his book, two FBI people had, were quoted as saying it was, quote, unquote, apparent that surgery to the area of the head had been performed before the autopsy started. And that's from an FBI man. Um, yeah, and that, that, that's really, and that's uh, the best evidence, as they say, is the body. And this is what they're using to kind of tell the tale. If you alter the body, then you're altering the tale. That's so very huge, obviously. Yeah, well, it is. And that's a whole other issue. Not everybody agrees um, with David Lifton uh, about surgery being performed. It's not so easy to do surgery. It's to change bullet holes, uh, um, David uh, 
uh, you know, I, he is entitled to his opinion. He has no forensic pathology or knowledge or plastic surgery. You don't just uh, change bullet holes so easily. It's not like, uh, <laughs> you know, doing a little bit of plastic surgery on somebody. But that's another matter. But I can tell you from a, a pathological, um, neuroanatomical, uh, radiological standpoint, uh, there's no question that the president was hit in the head twice. Okay. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, he's obviously had a lot of work on this subject. I can't keep him too much longer, but there's a couple more subjects I do want to ask him on. He's been, obviously, consulted on several different high-profile cases, uh, John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Elvis Presley, John Bernie Ramsey. Um, one of the other Kennedys, obviously, was assassinated under shady circumstances, Robert F. Kennedy. Um, obviously, Lee, Sir, uh, Sirhan Sirhan was charged and convicted of the crime. One of the huge things, and I, of course, have been studying this since I was a kid as well and did even a speech in college and such, one of the huge, huge parts of this, again, is the ballistic and physical evidence. Um, if you see how Sirhan was shooting Robert Kennedy, he was in front of him, a few feet in front to the right or left. But the shot that killed Robert Kennedy was two inches from behind his right ear, which again one one to one one to one and a half inches behind his right ear with a forward trajectory, which is physically uh, who, impossible. Who, knowing the layout who absolutely uh, Sirhan Sirhan was never never behind Robert Kennedy and Sirhan Sirhan's gun was never one to one and a half inches. It is right there. Anybody that doubts this or questions it, look at the autopsy report signed off on by a whole bunch of pathologists and top-notch academic, academic people called in by Dr. Noguchi uh, and so on and absolutely ignored. It is unbelievable. I, I, if, you, if you wrote about this in fiction, uh, you, you would say that the writer has gone too far. There it is. Absolutely unequivocal, and if anybody's wondering, well, how in the world could that be? The answer is it was never brought out in the trial of Sirhan Sirhan. The prosecution obviously didn't touch upon it, and the defense attorney never called an expert, never questioned this, and it was never brought out in the trial of Sirhan that that shot was fired one to one and a half inches behind his right ear and had a forward trajectory. Which is insane because the only person behind him that had a, that, the only other person with a gun, I mean, they, although, which was also ignored, is this gentleman, the security guard. I forget his name, but he. Eugene Fang Cesar. There we go. Um, and he's who, really had power burns on him. I mean, it's just like, it's. it's yeah, pretty, pretty his, gun, his gun was never taken, never tested. And by the way, Eugene Fang Cesar, I think, was a member of the John Birch Society, interestingly, and so on. Um, he was right behind um, the senator, and and unbelievably, he was never interrogated, and most importantly, his gun was never taken from him to be tested. Also, one more point, 13 shots were fired based upon all of the recovered cartridges and the holes in the ceiling and on the towel and on the door frame. Sirhan's gun had only eight shots, and he sure as sure as heck never reloaded. Yeah, and I've heard other people's books. I mean, I've read other people's books, like Dan Wildea, for example. He was supposed to come on last week but didn't. Um, you know, he asserted, of course, Sirhan did it, and all these these holes were just mistaken, you know, incompetent stuff by the LAPD. And I just I just don't fall for that, you know what I mean? It's just things become too cut and dry, and especially when you have, like, the two-inch, the bullet hole two-inch behind his head. You know, you can't. there's nothing you can say to cover that kind of stuff up. So, um, uh, no. again, we Amazing. could spend hours talking about these two subjects, and I don't have you much longer. I do want to ask you about one other subject, sir, that's kind of recently in the news, obviously. Um, Supreme, Custo Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia died the other day. And, again, you know, it's just weird. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily ascribe to it necessarily, but conspiracy theories are already flying around. However, I did read the news yesterday, and I know you guys aren't necessarily on the same page on everything. Dr. Baden. Um, for another forensic pathologist, said in a recent report that 
uh, he could have been poisoned, quote-unquote, could have been poisoned. What are your thoughts on that, his, those statements, and the fact that uh, there was not an autopsy allowed and that this doctor well, declared his yeah. cause of death over the phone as natural causes without even seeing the body? What are your thoughts on these? I've done, I've, done, I've done a lot of commenting on that. Let me just summarize it for you. you got the justice uh, going there. He tells the security people he doesn't need them. He was with somebody else. Uh, that was logged in. We don't know who that person was, male, female, uh, whatever. Um, and then he's in good health. He goes to uh, to his room, and he's found the next day. The Justice of the Peace is on her way uh, to examine the body, look at it, and um, interrogate people at the scene. She receives a call from the federal marshals telling her that she need not go. Uh, they'll take care of it, and they'll have everything done. And the body is taken to the local funeral home. It is embalmed, and then the phone off to Washington, D.C. No medical person, no medical legal investigator, no forensic scientific investigator How ever, ever saw that, that body. How irregular that is, is that? absolutely, it was a totally, totally uh, um, controlled um, situation. Is and it uh, similar situation it is, as President Kennedy, the body was taken out before Texas law fulfilling well, Texas law. Well, well, it is similar. It's similar uh, to, to some extent. Uh, it's it's more similar uh, to Nelson Rockefeller, who died um, um, in the arms of his lover um, in in the Fifth Avenue condo, and they finessed an autopsy. More similar to Mary Jo Kopechny, uh, who died under suspicious circumstances, who was never autopsied. Mm-hmm. Those and then. The Kennedys in the sense that the feds intervene. There is no basis whatsoever. There is no basis. The only exclusions uh, for medical examiner and coroner's offices in dealing with violence, sudden, suspicious, unexpected uh, deaths, homicide, accident, suicide uh, relate to a president and a vice president. That's legislation passed after Kennedy assassination. A justice of the Supreme Court, a governor, a U.S. senator, if they're killed in a motor vehicle accident, if they're shot by somebody, uh, if uh, they commit suicide, whatever, that case is no different from you or me or or Mr. John Smith or Susie Brown. Um, so the feds had no authority, no jurisdiction whatsoever over his body. And the final point I want to make on on the whole thing is you put it together and, and wonder about what the heck is going on. And amazingly, nobody having seen that body whatsoever. And it is now, I think, coming on a whole week um, since that death. And uh, ponder this. Not one single word has been said by the wife or the nine children or through a spokesman for them. Um, why don't they, somebody say, look, uh, our, our beloved father, uh, husband is dead. Um, we grieve. Uh, we're satisfied. Uh, he had a medical problem and so on. Please respect um, our, our grief and join us in this great moment of solace uh, and respect for this wonderful human being and so on. Not a single word from the family. Is that something? I mean, think of the powerful position he has. Think of the connections and, that he must have in Washington, D.C. Think of the power of that family. And nobody has a word to say after seven days. Right. And nobody saw that body. And no blood was drawn for toxicological testing. And no autopsy was done. No, it stinks to high heaven. And um, I, I, I just absolutely incredible. And the implication um, and, obviously huge. The impl- I mean, you know, had well, to- they're sure, sure, they, 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 they are absolutely, absolutely. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, there, there you have it. Uh, 
uh, life in America. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. There you uh, have it, man. From from 1963 all the way up to 2016, that's change under the sun, folks. That's that, that's right. Dr. Sue, well, I appreciate. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I just. I, no, I was just going to say thank you for. No, absolutely. But there was one final segment that I asked my guests to do. I will ask you to do it really swiftly. It is called the Conspiracy Triangle of Doom. It is essentially three questions that I ask everyone. You can say yes or no, or you can expound. Question number one, sir. Do you, Dr. Sarah Weck, believe in the existence of extraterrestrial intelligence? Um, no, but with a caveat. Um, um, not with the uh, arrogance. Um, of somebody that says impossible when you think of the what billions trillions of of stars and uh, celestial bodies out there how is it possible for us to say that uh, there is no way in the world i don't believe in it because there's been no proof or evidence of it you but i do not say i do not say that it is impossible that's right. there's a difference there you go. There you go. Question number two, sir, and I think we know the answer to this question. Do you follow the narrative or the official story of the events of November 22nd, 1963? I have a lot of questions. Uh, oh, yeah, on November 22nd, 63. Well, you've, you've heard my comments on that. Yeah, exactly. uh, the, 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 Warren, the Warren Commission is, is pure fiction, um, and um, it's just a, 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 a disgrace um, and an insult uh, and a travesty of justice that this case was not properly pursued and exposed. Agree, sir. Agree, sir. A little bit more contemporary in following narratives. Do you follow the narrative or the official story and the official story of the events of September the 11th, 2001? Well, I think there are a lot of questions, indeed, that have been raised by prominent, uh, objective, and non-political scientists about the kind of implosion uh, that, uh, that occurred and whether it could have possibly have been accomplished by uh, a, a plane crashing into uh, each of the two buildings uh, and so on, um, two planes. Um, so, I, you know, I have some questions there, uh, and I think that the full investigation uh, was perhaps not conducted and not everything has been disclosed. I do agree, sir. I do agree. Again, sir, thank you so, so very much All right, for my, thank your you. time. Thank you have been my right. continued success. This has been Dr. Sarah Weck, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again, sir. Take thank care you. Yourself. All right, a pleasure. Thank you. All right, nice talking to you. Absolutely. This and, has been uh, me speaking right. to you, ladies and gentlemen, with Dr. Sarah. Right. Everybody take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.